and thank you for listening to Pod on the Dog. I'm your host, Verity Hardcastle, and you can find me on Instagram at Verity Hardcastle. You might be out walking your dog, in the car, or pottering about at home, but whatever you're doing today, thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Butternut Box, a brand I love for many reasons. Butternut Box is a freshly cooked dog food delivery service that delivers it straight to your door and takes into consideration all of your dog's dietary needs. Butternut Box genuinely care about dogs and they believe that good enough for the dog simply isn't good enough. Dogs deserve better. The meals are comprised of quality meat, veg, lentils, vitamins and minerals and they don't contain any grain, wheat, gluten, corn, soya or sugar all of which have been known to cause some intolerances in our dogs. If you'd like to try Butternut Box for your dog, you can get 50% off your first two boxes with the link butternutbox.com forward slash Verity Hardcastle. For today's episode, I'm joined by a talented groomer who specializes in Asian styling. She's turned the breed standard of a schnauzer trim on its head and creates the most adorable looks with her own dogs and client dogs too. I'm really looking forward to finding out more about this lady's journey and hopefully getting some tips on how I can improve my Asian styles. So a big hello and thank you to Lisa Hart. Hi. Hi, it's pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Like, firstly, tell me where am I speaking to you from right now? Um, so I am in my salon, which is based in Peak District National Park in Derbyshire. Gorgeous. Such a lovely place in the world. It is. It's so beautiful. I am um, very privileged to live in this part of the world. Yeah, definitely. Now, what's your typical week like? What's it look like? Do you still groom full time? Uh, I do still groom full time. Um, I split my time between uh, grooming clients' dogs and also doing one-to-one tuition with other groomers. I have a huge variety of from beginners to really experienced groomers that just want to learn Asian fusion. Yeah. Uh, but a typical week for me is normally uh, four or five days um, grooming dogs. And then I normally tend to have like one student each week. Um, average day I tend to prefer a little slower pace of life at the moment Um, I've worked in really busy salons before so now I tend to keep like four or five dogs a day five days and that's just happy and comfortable for me and I'm the same I hear you I'm you know I never when I used to do like seven eight dogs a day Mm. I didn't look forward to work as much because I knew like oh you know by by dog number seven you're just like I'm laying on the floor because my back hurts so much you know exactly yeah I'm all about the take it easy take your time do nice grooves you can be really happy with don't rush have a tea break have some biscuits (laughs) yeah definitely definitely it makes it so much more enjoyable and obviously because of that I'm sure the jocks enjoy the process so much more as well definitely I think they definitely do get to build like a little bit more of a bond with the dogs as well I think when we're like one-to-one and we get to take our time it's just nice it makes it very pleasurable yeah definitely I used to have a bathroom dryer and um I actually really love bathing and drying again I think mm-hmm. it's had so many years away from it I love it yeah. like I listen to my podcast I've got noise cancelling headphones like I listen to some music and we just like zone out together. It's great. 
Exactly. I love nothing more, honestly. And I do actually listen to your podcast while I'm grooming as well. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear it, Lisa. (laughs) Will you be listening back to yourself, though? Um, I don't think I can. So when I do um, webinars or live Mm. videos or when I'm speaking in person, I don't know what it is, but I hate hearing my own voice. Everybody does. And I really struggle to listen to it. So most of the time, once it's actually recorded, that's it. And I I never watch it or never click onto it again. (laughs) I know. We're so hypercritical of ourselves, though, aren't we? I'm the same. Like, whenever I see myself or listen to myself, I'm like, oh, God, I'm vile. I'm never going to open my mouth again. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I think... um, I think being groomers definitely makes us like our own worst critic in every sense because, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of bred into us, isn't it? Oh, God, it's, I think it's what I do every day with every yeah. dog that's on my table. I look at it and mm-hmm. just critique it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of hard to believe when I see your grooms, though. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but we still do, you know, I still do my four Fs all over and, you know, mm-hmm. I've got, I feel like, because a lot of my clients have been my clients for so long, I have, like, some serious yeah. OAPs. And you just can't get the same. They just don't look the same as what they did five years previous, do they? And so every time you're looking, no. like, they still kind of look a bit greasy. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to know I'm not the only one that does exactly the same. But yeah, the same. Some of my clients are on like their second or third dogs mm-hmm. now that I'm grooming. So yeah, it's the same situation. I've got OAPs and then I've got puppies coming in, but from clients that I've known for years. But it, it's a nice variety. Yeah, definitely it is. Now, how did you fall into grooming, Lisa? Was it just something you always wanted to do? Um, it was by accident, actually. I always wanted to work with animals. And um, when I left school, I started working at a boarding kennels. And the owner of the boarding kennels bred miniature schnauzers, Westies and Cocker Spaniels. Um, I didn't know at the time, but they weren't the best breeders, but they weren't the worst either. So, um, and I think I've been working there, working in the kennels for a couple of months. And um, they had like lots of dogs of their own that always needed grooming. So she just said, do you want to have a go? Do you want to practice? And um, she gave me a Westie. She gave me a pair of clippers and a five blade. And I thought she was going to like guide me through it. And she was just like, oh, I'll be back in an hour. Just do what you can. <laughs> and I'd love to actually see a picture now of what that dog looked like. It'd be amazing <laughs> if I had a picture. <laughs> At least it had all its limbs. <laughs> yes, definitely. We had no accidents, thankfully. So then it just all started from there. You got the bug. So it is, yeah. So um, I started practicing on most of the breeding dogs first and then um, I kind of got thrown in the deep end and it wasn't like learn prepping first, learn this first. It was Mm. just like, oh, here's a dog, just groom it. Here's the record card. But sometimes I think being thrown in the deep end makes you learn quicker and you gain experience quicker, I guess. Sink or swim, you swam. Definitely. (laughs) I'm not sure I swam to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I had quite a rocky journey into dog grooming. And I actually, I groomed for a couple of years and then I actually stopped grooming for a while as well. Okay. um, And then kind of came back into it when I 
foundation fusion and found competitions and this whole amazing world we actually have which I didn't know existed before yeah I think you've probably you know found your passion haven't you and then that's all just come back definitely I feel like I kind of when I first started grooming and after I've been grooming for a few years I was just kind of going through the motions Mm. and then um, when I found Asian that was like my true passion yeah yeah I think that um, we I think as groomers we all have moments where we're just working to live aren't we rather than yes really definitely yeah I think even like even groomers that have been grooming for a long time, we go through spells, don't we, of being like really passionate about what we're doing and then spells of, oh, let's just get through today. But yeah. I think everyone, it just comes with the job, doesn't it? I have it with everything, even, you know, yeah. social media. I'll have, you know, I'll lose my mojo and I'll think. Yeah, yeah definitely. Social media is tough, very yeah. tough. <laughs> Now, Asian styling is obviously really having a moment. I wasn't sure whether it was going to be like a passing phase, but it looks like it's here to stay. Like we've seen year on year how these looks have grown in popularity. And also we've got customers now coming in with pictures of these dogs wanting Mm -hmm. their dog to be styled this way. Why do you think it's so popular? Um, I think because it's one, it's so cute. So owners, they like nothing more than someone saying how cute their dog is and thinking their dog's as adorable as they know their dog is. Mm. So I think one, it's the cute factor. And two, as well, with the short faces, it's really, it's really easy and manageable for clients to upkeep as well. Um, but I just think Asian style grooming just has something a little bit special that makes dogs stand out from the crowd and that's what I love about it yeah definitely I totally agree with that do you think it's going anywhere anytime soon um I don't think so at the moment I remember when I um entered my very first grooming competition and it was an Asian class and it was practicing Asian on my schnauzer Esme that's what kind of made me want to enter a grooming competition and there was like four people in the class at um, British Dog Grooming Championships and then over the years it's been like those classes now are like at full capacity and they're like yeah they're like workshop classes aren't they yeah they're one of the first to sell out so no I definitely don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon I also think as well a lot of UK groomers I think a lot of international groomers as as well we've now incorporated so much of the Asian style like into everyday grooms so even if they're not an extreme Asian style I think I know for definite my grooming has evolved and changed to become slightly Asian infused on a daily basis I totally agree with that when I look at my cockapoos 10 years ago Mm-hmm. He tended to have the part of the nose and like be quite beardy, very narrow on the side of their eyes, like a little bit of a top knob and not too mm-hmm. much. Like the majority of the length was down here. Yeah. And now I've just totally changed it. Like, the majority, yeah, yeah, the majority of the length <laughs> on the top. And it's like super yeah. short under the chin. Like I'll use a blade under the chin, you know, on a lot of them. And yeah. the owners like that because when they're drinking water and things, they're not spreading mm-hmm. it around the kitchen and you know, exactly. and they do look. They do look loads cuter. Definitely. I um, 
And I do believe that's why it's becoming so popular with clients as well, just ease. And it's like, especially, I don't know if it's the same where you are, but a lot of my clients now are feeding raw food as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Or or wet food as opposed to kibble. And it's, um, I think it just keeps them cleaner and it's more hygienic. Yeah, definitely it is. And um, with Asian though, it doesn't seem to be as popular in Europe, does it, as it is in the UK? Seems like, I don't know, is is that just my perception? Because when I've been to Spain and things, I've not seen it so mm-hmm. much. It doesn't seem to have the same traction. Um, actually, no, I think you're right there. Because even with social media, a lot of the groomers that I follow who particularly focus on Asian styling, they're more UK, America, Australian based. Yeah. And obviously Japan and Korea. Rather yeah. Than uh, yeah. And North South Korea. America as well, it seems as well. But yeah. not so much like Italy, France, Spain, like not really seeing so much from over there. No, actually, one of my clients as well, one of the dogs, I, I had a this miniature schnauzer client who I really wanted to compete with in Asian classes. She was the perfect dog in every way. She was so well behaved. She had amazing fur, but her owner was actually from Madrid. And um, she'd been a client with me for about two and a half years. And unfortunately, she decided to move back to Madrid and she's really struggled to find a groomer over there that can do the same style as I was uh, doing. Really? So, yeah, I think you're you're definitely right, and it's not quite as popular in Europe yet. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will pick up pace because you know <laughs> people love it. Now, how did you learn this style? I mean, do you have any advice for listeners on where they can go to try and get some tips or some tuition on on styling? So. Um, Different to when I first started grooming, now we have like this amazing world of like Instagram and TikTok and social media, which um, you can gain so much valuable information from on a daily basis because we have um, we have like reels, uh, live videos and so many groomers, um, me included, I'm very passionate about sharing knowledge. I think it's really important to always learn in this industry. So I think they're really valuable tools to use. And it was actually, it was Instagram that got me interested in Asian grooming in the first place. Yeah. So I think it was about, it was about 2011, 2012. And I got my very first iPhone, um, like upgraded from like a phone that... Nokia. (laughs) Yeah, something that took like 20 minutes to connect to the the internet yeah. <laughs> and I got my first iPhone and I joined Instagram and I started following a little schnauzer that lived in Japan and she had this really tiny little muzzle and really really long ears like almost like Maltese drop coat ears wow. and um, it was actually looking at her grooms that made me first try Asian um, Esme was kind of like my older schnauzer Greta Esme was her puppy and she was kind of the little runty one and after everyone who we had interested came to pick their puppies she was the one left and me and my partner kind of we kept looking at her and we were like should we keep her should we and we we said we weren't going to and then my partner because she was so tiny and so cute he was like yeah let's keep her let's keep her oh which is crazy for him because he's not a dog person at all. <laughs> um, and then she had quite 
fur that grew quite long and silky rather than kind of that coarse fluffier coat Mm. that a miniature shouncer would have. So I actually started looking for alternative styles to groom her in that might suit her coat better. Of course. And it would, yeah, it would definitely work better, wouldn't it, with those sort of dwarf legs? Yeah, so um, the first time I ever groomed her in this style, like I plucked up the courage to do it. And I set, I worked in a really busy salon at the time that we didn't really have time to like play around and change styles. So I um, set up my grooming table in my kitchen at home. And I think I, from bathing her to finishing her, I think I spent about five hours like, <laughs> with her haircut and trying to get the muzzle right. And um, I still have, like, the pictures on my phone now from the first time. Actually, the first time wasn't too bad. There's a lot of improved on since. But But there's been a lot more that you've probably learned about the styling since other than just looking at a few pictures on your, you know, archaic phone. Definitely, yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've particularly been to many... Um, Asian fusion events apart from about four years ago we did have that one grooming competition that was Groom Asia in Doncaster I don't know if do you remember that one I don't really remember it but would it have been something to do with Pammy if it was Doncaster it was yeah yeah so it was Pammy's competition it was only an Asian based competition and she had Queenie Pet Salon and Suki Suli from Japan and Korea and I think that was when I really learned there was a lot more to the structure of Asian like building the muzzle differently oh how interesting Um, yeah and I think one of the people actually different to the question but something I always remember is at my very first grooming competition I didn't really use blenders I just used straights and curves and Mandy came over to me from the Scissor Boutique and she said, like, I love what you're doing. It's really different. It's really fun. Um, but I think you need something that will help you. And she gave me a pair of um, Gibe Blue Breeze blenders and they literally changed my grooming and changed my Asian styles. I think it was such transitions to blend, haven't you, with that? Yeah, exactly. I think it kind of... That moment and meeting Mandy completely changed how I groom. And yeah, um, yeah, definitely taught me how to put a finish on a groom. Fantastic. Yeah. I like a I like a guy scissor and blender. Yeah. Yeah. Um Mandy sold me the katana blenders. I really like those as well. I have those ones as well, and I love them both. I kind of switch between now. But anything blue breeze, such workhorses. They are. They're they're just amazing salon scissors. They're definitely yeah. up there in my top favourites. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, there's a free advert for Guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope they're your sponsor for the next well, We could send us some free scissors. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing more judging recently, haven't you? And um, I want to know what it is that you look for when you're placing a beautifully groomed dog. So, yes, I have. And I've been um, very excited and very overwhelmed by the fact that I've been asked to judge because I still feel like I have so much to learn. 
but um, mostly I've judged either Asian classes or um, like mixed breed classes so far. So um, main things I would say I look for are, first of all, good prep, because we all know that without perfect prep, you, you can never get the perfect finish that you're looking for. And then one of the things that's really important for me is that the groom you're doing on that dog fits that dog and suits that dog. I think some dogs suit really extreme styles and some dogs suit really soft, um, like gentle teddy trims. I think it's important to make the best of the dog that you have. Mm. And then on top of that, I would look for what everyone looks for when judging a groom, um, balance, symmetry, a really good finish, um, and just that little wow factor. I'm not sure if you're the same when you judge, but I tend to find that when I judge a class, there always tends to be a groom that from the other side of the room that really stands out to you and you, makes you go, wow, look at that dog, that looks amazing. Yeah, and if there isn't, it's quite hard to, yes. you know, go through and, like, nitpick and find out. You yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> it is, definitely. But I, I still have a lot to learn when it comes to judging, but I'm definitely really enjoying being on the other side of the bench. <laughs> yeah, like, it's say, it's like pressure, but in a different way. Yeah, it is. I, I definitely don't find judging as nerve-wracking as actually competing. Like that moment when your judge is going through your dog with a comb and you're like holding your breath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I don't really, I don't feel the nerves when I'm actually doing the trim. I'll feel like nervous a second before I start when they're like, yeah. you know, when you just stood there waiting. Definitely. <laughs> and then it's when you're finished and you look around and you think, oh my God, everyone's done such a beautiful job. Like, yeah. And then I look at my dog and I'm like, oh, it's in bits, you know. <laughs> I don't believe that your dog will ever be in bits. But yeah, <laughs> no, but you know, we were saying about the hypercritical, you know. Like, yes. I'm, I'm licking yeah. my finger and trying to stick anything under that spot back <laughs> in the coat. <laughs> Hairspray, just hairspray. It's great. Just hairspray it in place. Yes. <laughs> hairspray and stick it in. <laughs> oh dear. You were recently lucky enough to be invited to Australia. I mean, how amazing is that? Tell me about this trip. What was their grooming like? Oh, it was absolutely the trip of a lifetime. I was so, so lucky to be invited over. I was um, invited by Melanie Newman and Sharon Hall that run Master Groom Australia. Um, so for the trip, I spent a week in Melbourne, which was the week of the grooming competition. And um, I would say kind of like the grooming over there is very similar to over here. I think Australia and the UK have very similar styles when it comes to grooming. Okay. Um, I think some of what Australia does style-wise is a little behind our styles because I tend to find over here because of showing our styles change and evolve mm. quite quickly. I think in Australia, they're probably just slightly behind with like the styles evolving. But like the standard of grooming was absolutely incredible. There were so many dogs, one in particular, a standard poodle that just I couldn't take my eyes off the dog. And um, the groomer did win best in show, but with a different poodle, actually. Oh, fabulous. 
So yeah, it was amazing. And then for the second week, I had um, a leisure week, which again was absolutely incredible just to visit Australia. But then I spent a week with Sue Wright, who is one of the most popular Asian groomers, especially that side of the world. She was and, on Pitch uh, Perfect Australia, wasn't she? She was, yeah. yeah that's where I know. Bindley. That's right. So I was, I was lucky enough to spend the week with Sue. I actually stayed with Sue in her um, like little rental cabin on her property. Um, and then I spent time with James Bennett as well, the poodle. Yeah, yeah, I, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, push puppy guy. Yes, he is. So I feel like what I really love about this industry is that we can literally go to the other side of the world and everyone is so welcoming and so um, hospitable. And it was just lovely to meet groomers from so far away, but feel like you had friends on the opposite side of the world. Yeah, because it's weird because we know each other so well, but we yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But that is one of the things I do really love about social media, especially yeah. like our little grooming community. Definitely. And I saw you hugging a koala, you lucky thing. I did. He was, they're very stinky though. Oh, are Very they? smelly. And it made me laugh because like two people who are really close friends that are groomers, the first thing they asked is like, what's the coat like? Is it like a double coat? And they had, um, I'd probably say the closest to their coat would be like a husky coat. It was really fluffy underneath, but it was like slightly harsh in texture mm. on top, but definitely more stinky than a husky. Yeah, absolutely adorable, but very stinky. <laughs> yeah, but like me, you started in a kennel, so we're used yes. to the stinky. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I actually remember like when I used to work in the kennels, coming home, and my partner was like, "Can you just go and get changed because I can't sit next to you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially like you probably started working in kennels, probably like when I did, I was quite young. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people weren't really on with bathing their dogs the same as what they are now either as well. And then they'd been in the kennels for like a week or two. Not nice. And I remember as well, before I was a groomer, when you worked in kennels and it was like, we'll we'll, we'll just make the dog smell nice before it goes home. So it's like, hose the dog down. Should we used to use, was it called Johnson? Was it called, there was like a Johnson like pet odour thing. And we used to have that by the door. Like like that's going to help everything. So as soon as they came out, they used to just get spritzed. And it, it was always as well the baby powder smell, that that love or hate baby powder smell. <laughs> Just something really, really strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about your social media. You've obviously got a great following. It can mm-hmm. be another job in itself though, can't it? Like, do you have a social media strategy? Like, how do you juggle it? Um, I have to be honest, even though I have been very lucky with social media and I do have a really good, real, loyal following, but most of the time I just absolutely wing it. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I actually had a company contact me asking if I wanted them to do me like a 30-day um, social media plan and stuff. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but there's no way I'll keep to that. I just literally wing it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think... Um, I think my social media following is mostly down to like learning Asian fusion and my love of Asian fusion because I think in the UK especially, 
I think one of the reasons I did so well when I first started competing was because everyone was using poodles and I was the only person that had a different dog that kind of stood out from the crowd in classes. So um, I think I owe a lot of my social media following from my Asian schnauzers and just because it was something a little bit different. Yeah, definitely. And you used to like curl their hair. Curl her ears. Yeah, Yeah. I remember. Yeah, that's really cute. I'm like you, I don't have a social media strategy. I just, uh, I sort of panic post when I realise I've not posted anything for three or four times. I'm very glad to hear that. And I was... um, Colin actually contacted me to tell me that I'd been nominated for social media influencer over the year. Oh, well done. <laughs> Thank you. But Cheers. It so, yeah. seems so crazy to me because I'm just like, it's definitely a second job. I do put a lot of time and effort into it, but yeah, I definitely don't have any kind of strategy. The only thing I would tell other groomers is um, post the kind of content of what you actually want to do and what career path you want to follow. And I tend to find that's been a huge thing for me. Most of my Asian fusion clients have come from Instagram and social media. Yeah, definitely. Stick to your niche. I um I totally agree. Like if I ever post a picture of like my kids, it just like falls on its backside. Everyone's like, not here for this very soon. I just want to see the talks. Too many dog people following you. Yeah, exactly. So I just stick to my niche now. If I put anything up with the kids, I'd stick it on my stories, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You've uh, talked about social media there and how it's helpful. You're doing a webinar, aren't you, Sue? Yes. Um, So another amazing opportunity, like I'm so lucky with all the amazing life experiences and opportunities that grooming has given me. And a groomer that I really look up to, whose grooms I absolutely love, actually reached out to me to ask if we could do a collaboration event. So on the 16th of October, Kenny Leakland, who I believe has done this podcast He has, yeah. 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 Skip back if you want to listen to Kenny. Yeah. So um, he's coming over to the UK and we're doing a one-off event. We are doing three different dogs, all in Asian style. So um, Kenny is grooming Vixer, my miniature poodle. Oh, lovely. I'm grooming a beautiful little Maltese who is an ex-show dog. So she's got a, a beautiful full drop coat and I'm really excited because I've never done a drop coat for a webinar or an event before um and then we're doing a very special surprise collaboration dog as well so (gasps) exciting so for the event we are having in-person seats which are nearly full we have a couple of spaces left for people to join us in person um, we also have a couple of brands joining us. We have the amazing Dogliness, because as you know, I, I absolutely adore Dogliness. It's one of my favorite products, not because just because it works, but because of the company's ethics and the fact that the products are completely vegan and certified organic. Um, we also have the lovely Georgia from Fuller Frills, who has done this podcast as well. Oh, Georgia. We love Georgia. Yeah. We all love Georgia. She's like the sweetheart of the industry, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we also have some amazing giveaways 
from Poor Matt Pets and Artero UK as well. And we're so excited. I think it's going to be an amazing day. And then this weekend as well, we will be putting a link up for people that want to join us via Zoom link. So you can watch this event anywhere in the world. Oh, I, I want to watch it. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I genuinely. I need to, like... I, I suppose I'm more breed standard girl, so I um, I definitely, I've got loads more to learn when it comes to like, Asian styling. Like, I'll, I'll give it a bash. Like, I do it a bit in my salon, and I have done it on my own dogs before, but I am, uh-huh. I've got lots to learn. So yeah, definitely, I'd be so interested. Whereabouts is it in person then? So in person, we're located just outside of Buxton in Derbyshire. So it's not too far for you, actually. Sure, Harrogate? Yeah, North Yorkshire. Yeah, so are you so like two, hours? two hours, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I'll, 16th of October, I'm going to check my diary. Uh, if, if you're free, you are very welcome in person, but otherwise, you are, we will make sure you get a Zoom link to join. I'd love that. That sounds awesome. Now, lastly, how do you stay positive and driven? Obviously, we know that this job can be such hard work at times. Mm-hmm. So what keeps you positive? Um, one of the things I find really, really helps is um, listening to music while I'm grooming. I find it kind of puts me in a rhythm and I think I'm quite, even though I'm, I don't have any musical talent whatsoever, <laughs> I, I kind of, um, music can change my mood and it can keep me very positive. But then the second thing that I think is really important in this industry is to have a network of people around you who understand. So I have like two really close grooming friends who literally throughout the day, we just voice note each other all day. So even though we all work on our own, it's almost like we're all together in a salon and we have that little um, chat going every day. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. And yeah, I find that really helps because if we have like a customer that's, we all still get it. Most of my customers have been with me for a really long time and I don't normally take new customers, but we all still get a customer that's having a bad day and it can be a bit rude or a bit short on drop off. And um, yeah, I find just like talking through it with friends really helps. Definitely. We all need someone to vent to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great advice. So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. Lisa can be found on Instagram at Lisa Heart Grooming. Thank you to everybody for listening. And please don't forget to rate and subscribe to Pod on the Dog. And if you'd write a review too, that would be absolutely amazing as it helps other people find this podcast. This podcast has been sponsored by Butternut Box, a fresh take on dog food. So for 50% off your first two boxes, make sure you visit that link, buttonupbox.com forward slash Verity Hardcastle. So that's a bye from me and Lisa. Bye. Bye.